ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. My name's Jake Botel and I'm joined, bloody thrilled to be joined for the second time in a week uh, by the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, the pharaoh of a football world. It is John Turner. How are you, mate? Two times in one week. How, how about them, Apples? Oh, thank you for having me once again. I'm good. Thank you for asking. How are you? <laughs> I'm excellent. Excellent. Um, pretty amped up after a, uh, an insane weekend of NFL playoffs and um, looking forward to digging into uh, a chat with you about the XFL. Um, the, the Rock, you know, came down from his temple on Mount Olympus and, you know, uh, ordained that it was an appropriate time to trickle a little bit of XFL uh, nectar our way. And you wrote a great article about it on a football world uh, titled XFL. A 2023 relaunch done right could change the game for good. Fucking awesome read as usual. Um, love when you do these these deep dives into the mechanics of leagues and and combining you know fact and imagination, sort of scoping out what the lay of the land could look like. Um, you know, you're sort of saying uh, in the opening of this article that, you know, trying to look if you can sort of see a development of patterns between what the XFL has done and what they might do. Wanted to ask you first, for, and people should go and read the full article on a footballworld.com. You can find the links in the podcast notes. The Rock appeared on the Manning cast on ESPN. Wanted to know, first of all, what did you glean from that chat and what is so important about The Rock saying that they were only two to three weeks away from announcement? Why is that two to three weeks important? And, and what did you sort of think of The Rock's appearance on the Manning cast? Well, I always think highly of The Rock's appearance. Um, when you think about, uh, I, I, uh, you know, big roles that could go to certain actors, you know, and these big galactic type figures, I'm you know, thinking like Hercules, you know, uh, Conan or whatever, you know what I mean? I think he was Conan in the, in the remake, if, if I'm not mistaken, but he would make a great Hercules, I think, yeah. as well. Um, but uh, he's, uh, it's very evident whenever he's on television or speaking with somebody in internet form or interview form, he seems to always be like the biggest, easily the biggest personality in that setting. Um, and, the, and the focus, I mean, they're, they're calling a game, right? And, and now they are majorly sidetracked because they have Dwayne Johnson on their show. And it's like for the two minutes and 50 seconds or whatever that I, I had listened to him talk, I don't, they didn't mention a single play going on um in the game it's like you know yeah we're not talking about the game right now we're talking to the rock and i think that's a little bit of a testament to him the larger than life person and um you know just how much attention he commands whenever he's in the in the room you know what i mean i can't imagine a single room i don't care who's in the room worldwide it could be a room full of celebrities 
if the rock's in that room, he's probably got the most people around him. You know, <laughs> he's like that guy on the Dos Equis beer commercial. Um, <laughs> so I, I just can't think of somebody else right now on the planet Earth that um, he's truly, he's the new Michael Jordan. I used to tell people that, you know, people in the middle of Bucharest mm. or, or in, in Burma, you know, they, they know that logo, that Michael Jordan logo that where he's, you know, that we mm. see on the shoe. Um, and um, it's the same thing for The Rock. He's probably right now the world's most, more than like Barack Obama mm. or Donald Trump, you know, the most recognizable human being that there probably is right now. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and and I, I guess that that actually will allow me to cycle through. We'll go down my list of questions, and, and then we'll circle back. We'll do a bit of time travel, but you've kind of hit on it, and, and I wanted to ask you about it. We've obviously got the USFL, you know, apparently theoretically starting, um, you know, in a in a month or two, um, we'll, you know, TBA uh, uh, on that one, TBC on that one. Um, and, you know, the NFL, as we discussed last time, you know, trying to make this international push. But I wanted to ask you, what sort of a competitive advantage do you think having The Rock as the face of your league gives to the XFL? Like, from my perspective, in a pretty politically charged sporting environment, he feels almost like uniquely positioned to appeal to, appeal to both sides of the political aisle. Um, and both American and international markets, like the way I kind of framed it in my head was the rock to me seems to appeal to both audiences that would have, um, you know, uh, supported Colin Kaepernick's kneeling and audiences that would have been against Colin Kaepernick's um, kneeling. It feels like he appeals to both sides. Did you, is that sort of right? Do you think? I think you are correct. In that regard, I mean, you're, you're, if, if you line up 10 random selected people in the globe and you say, do you like The Rock? There's probably maybe one that would yeah. say, no, he's not my cup of tea. But I think the other nine would say, yes, definitely. <laughs> or, uh, well, I don't know a whole lot about him. I don't have a problem with it. You, you know what I mean? So, like, I, I think he's been neutral. Enough, um, and entertaining enough to a degree where everybody kind of likes him. He's been on Disney movies. What can I say? Except <laughs> you're welcome. He's always fun. He's like this big fun teddy bear that you want attached to what you would try to sell your kids into doing. Or mm. and that's that's the big thing to me is that he has. I, I mean, I don't know the demographics of you know what age groups like who but i'm pretty sure the rock is up there with you know kids single digit age to 24 and that seems to be the you know the young you know what are they called um, gen x <laughs> gen z's yeah um that that are in love with the guy and I'll, i will say this though i live in the mount i moved up here uh almost two calendar years ago to the day mm. um and now I'm in the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains, um, close to Pittsburgh and where the University of West Virginia is. And there are some redneck boys. 
Okay. Um, and, you know, COVID is looked at a little differently up here than it is <laughs> in major cities like the one I moved from in Washington, yeah. D.C. Um, they don't wear as many masks. Up here. But at I, least not there COVID. Was one die, there was a diehard Raiders fan at my job. And, um, and we would talk football at least once a day. Um, and he was a pretty knowledgeable football fan. Um, he hates anything woke. Um, he, he hates, you know, hated Colin Kaepernick. And he said he almost stopped watching. Well, he's one of these guys. Yep. And then I, I said, well, the XFL, what do you think? You know, I said, the rock bought it. Did you hear? What do you think about that? And he goes, I'm not watching the rock, you know, that league, that whole league. It's a woke league. Uh, he came out for Joe Biden. And I was like, why are you hung up on that? You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it, he's offering jobs to a lot of football players and coaches and executives. And it's like, why don't you just kind of see that more than focus on he made a Facebook post saying <laughs> that he predicted Biden was going to win. Who the hell cares? Yeah. Um, but that just kind of let me know that as likable as he is, there are just certain people mm. who will, you know, discount all of it uh, because maybe you said one thing or did one thing that, that they disagree with that they feel very strongly about. And it's unfortunate, but those people do exist. That's yeah. your one out of 10. Yeah, absolutely. But, and I mean, like, the other thing I was thinking about with, with, you know, the XFL, the USFL, the NFL, all these things, like um, from an outsider's perspective, it, it feels to me that the USFL uh, feels particularly faceless at, at this point in time. The NFL um, is obviously, you know, this enormous, you know, monolithic organization. It doesn't necessarily need a face in from, from its sort of commissioner. It's got faces all around the league. But the XFL of like, you know, it, it, it's like, I feel like they've really hit a winner here um, in, in snagging a guy like The Rock. I mean, if, you, if we had a celebrity draft um, to be your, you know, your league's representative, if you and I and a bunch of other people were going, we're all starting football leagues, we can have a draft to get our celebrity. I mean, The Rock is number one on basically everyone's draft board, I, I would imagine. Um, do you think that his his and i think he's you know he's been able to to maintain a, a likable it's amazing it's it's hard to be that successful and remain that broadly likable do you think down the track this helps the nfl i mean you mentioned in oh, you've got your zoa energy drink there we go the rock gets his zoa energy drink plug uh, <laughs> how was it did you enjoy it Drinking the orange one, uh, the lemon lime was terrific, and the orange one isn't that bad. It's uh, the bottom, the second half of the can tastes better than the top half. Okay, um, <laughs> okay. I, I like it <laughs> so, do you think this helps them down the track? You mentioned in your article um, about, you know, you think that you know someone like Jerry Jones um, would love to be able to make partnerships with The Rock in terms of, you know, getting. You know, I think we were, you were talking the article in reference to, you know, um, stadium use uh, for the XFL's Dallas team. But do you think The Rock's general likability and level of success is going to make it more possible for the XFL 
to navigate its relationship with the NFL and even come to eventually a situation that is mutually beneficial? Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, I, I think that uh, anybody who's in big business uh, want to attach their business to him in one way or another, um, whether he's selling their product, helping them sell their product or, or they, their business is connected to one of his products in some way. And he says, you know, cause he's never going to say anything bad about you or your product. Um, uh, he just says everything right. Um, and it just sounds like, you know, it's like, my God, he's a natural born salesman uh you know he, he'd be successful if he was giving out free estimates for windows and siding i think door to door but uh you know he that's that's the power of him and his celebrity and and you're right i think the usfl it's uh, that would have been one of my first hires if i was them as a league is who can we get to really make our announcements for us and, and, and make our league sound exciting and, and make us not look so unprepared uh, in the days that go by. It just seems like this is, I haven't heard anything about the spring league. You know, Brian Woods is the president uh, or CEO of the USFL now, and he was the owner of the spring league. And I haven't heard anything about the spring league returning. So perhaps the USFL is just the spring league with a new name, which is what a lot of people have already speculated but they're in a little bit of a bind i guess because um you look at the personalities from the first usfl you've got steve spurrier he's a little old now but he's got a personality is that somebody you want being the spokesman for the usfl i don't know uh steve young has been in the football television business for most of you know his post-retire playing years um retirement age and uh he played and was a a a big-time contract and player for the original usfl but he works for espn and the games are now on fox and nbc so that pretty much eliminates him as a possibility uh herschel walker uh, he's not the best of public speakers and he goes off into space, you know, with, uh, his political views at times he's running, uh, for office in the state of Georgia, um, this upcoming election cycle, um, Jim Kelly has had his health issues. So I'm not exactly sure, you know, uh, he was a, a pretty solid personality, but I'm not sure his health would be up to it. And, 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 and Doug Flutie, for as memorable as he was, he was only there for the final year of USFL. He had a great professional football career between there, Canada, and the NFL. But um, he's not exactly an exciting personality. You know, mm-hmm. we all remember the Flutie Flakes and things like that. So that, that, that does benefit the XFL big time. The fact that he is interested enough in football in general to decide to be a one-third owner of the league and doesn't mind being the spokesman at the same time. Um, It's a win-win for for the league in general. Um, And I think, uh, I don't know who initiated the, you know, the, the business. I'd love to find out that information is who initiated the business decision between him, his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, and 
Jerry Cardinal, the owner of Redbird Capital, you know, whose idea was it to get together, um, you know, and make this investment and, and, and relaunch this league, you know, uh, are, are they old business friends or how did that relationship work out? Um, you know, we may or may not ever find that out, but I think that would be information that would be interesting to know. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical about this USFL um, endeavor at this point. It, it's starting to, to seem like it's on very shaky ground to me, but let's focus on the XFL. Um, so, you know, a, a big part of that, you know, uh, the Manning cast was that they, you know, they're two to three weeks away from making an announcement. Now, Two to three weeks lines up with a significant event on the NFL calendar ahead of the Super Bowl. Um, would you care to fill the listener in on what's going to happen in the in, in you know in two to three weeks' time that the XFL is going to be so keen to jump in on ahead of Super Bowl? Well, it's called Radio Row, and if you're in talk radio. Uh nationally or locally syndicated radio in America uh, and you cover the game of football, this is what you kind of consider your Super Bowl of your job, you know, for the year. Uh, you, you apply to the NFL for the credentials to get there. They give you the nice necklace that says, you know, Radio Row or NFL Super Bowl week, uh, whatever credentials, and, and you can hang it up in your office proudly. But they all set up these long folding tables. They throw the drape over, you know, letting everybody know what radio station or channel they're from. And, and if you're, if you were a player or a coach, or if you're a personality that has to do with sports and you're looking to sell something, uh, radio rose, your opportunity to go from table to table to table to sit down, do little five minute interviews, sell your little book, sell the TV show that you're going to be on coming up this spring or or the movie that's coming out, um, you know, guys like Rob Lowe, a good friend of Peyton Manning. Um, I can remember like it was a couple of years in a row, he had a show or a movie or something that was coming out and uh, he was going to, you know, he's always making his round up and down um, the aisles and, and stopping off at every, uh, you know, when I was living in the DC area, I listened to Sports Talk 980 and uh, they had, you know, their morning show, their midday show, and their rush hour, uh, early evening show, all three were had three different tables. And they would sit there for eight, 12 hours a day and just get all these interviews. Um, and they'd play them for the next week or two. Um, uh, it was a good opportunity for them to get these interviews from people they might not ever normally have call in or stop in on their, at their studio and stuff like that. So I think that that would be when he says two to three weeks, that just, that's two to three weeks from now. Uh, and this is last week that he said that. So um, it, there's no better time for him to come around and explain how the US, uh, the XFL is going to work. Um, maybe if there's been some signings, who the apparel company is, it's going to be making the uniforms of uh, maybe where some of these new teams and new cities that he mentioned um, previously are going to play. And remember now the last time he was on television was a couple of months ago. He had said information was going to be coming out two to three months from then. So, so that also adds up to the radio row week um, leading up to the Super Bowl and, uh, Everybody that pays attention 
to these shows, um, listens to these radio programs and all that other stuff. These are, you know, people that, that listen to NFL or football news for eight hours a day while they're at work that, that can have a radio on the background and, and do that. So, uh, you know, they're getting a lot of listeners, a lot of viewers or whatever. Um, and uh, there's just not a better opportunity to get the free uh, advertisement out there. That, that's the key thing is it's free. It only costs you the, the plane ticket there uh, in the hotel uh, <laughs> night for the week. Um, and and you, you get hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of uh, a free advertisement all week long. Well, the well, one thing we know, the the Rock will probably be able to cover his own plane ticket and, and accommodation. I think he should be he should be all right there. Um, we'll see if he brings his T Rex skull along with him. Um, <laughs> just imagine it's a replica, by the way. I, I ah, looked it up. It's a no, I lo- let's it's let's not just the real one. let's just stick to the story that's the real one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you mentioned there, obviously, you know apparel and, and and stadiums and that sort of thing um and you know we've got a little bit of uh, word about you know new cities or new teams but first of all i just want to get your opinion in your article which people should go and read the full thing um this stuff is john's absolute bread and butter he knocks it out of the park like no one else can um so go to a footballworld.com and read it uh, you said in, in your article, you believe all eight teams from last time, the New York Guardians, St. Louis Battlehawks, Dallas Renegades, Tampa Bay Vipers, DC Defenders, Seattle Dragons, Houston Roughnecks, and LA Wildcat, Wildcats will all be back. But you think we're in for some changes of venue. Who do you think are a couple of these franchises who could benefit the most from a change of stadium scenery? And, yeah, and where do you see them going? Well, you start where uh, the teams that didn't fill up a large stadium so well. Um, So New York and Los Angeles. um, I do not think you want to part ways with having a team in your two biggest cities in the country that that you're, you know, (laughs) you have a football league. I (laughs) I don't think that's a good business decision. you know, even if people aren't showing up to the stadium, the amount of viewers per zip code, is, you're going to get more there than you get in Columbus, Ohio or Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Mm. So, uh, you know, th- th- that's just simple business. But I-, I think we went to the first week um, at uh, a MetLife Stadium. We went to week one, the Guardians game in New York. Beautiful stadium, uh, really cool, you know, uh, design to it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we got there, we, we drove an Uber, Uber from the Walmart parking lot to the stadium. And I said, wow, there's a lot of people here. But it turns out, you know, the stadium was really big. And once we got into the stadium, I said, oh, well, there's not a lot of people here. I think there was only, you know, 15,000 or something at that particular game uh, week one. And it doesn't look very good to have that many empty seats uh, in a big stadium. So if they were to move to Red Bull Arena, I think it's Red Bull Arena, maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's Red Bull Stadium, or uh, Red Bull FC, um, you know, plays. That's also located in New Jersey, I believe. But um, it's a little smaller. You have less seats to sell. Uh, therefore, it looks, you know, it's a, it goes from half uh, glass half empty to a glass half full perspective. 
uh, because if you get the same 15,000 in there, well, then you're, you know, three quarters of the way full or whatever uh, versus looking three quarters empty. Uh, you know, so I just think that's, that's just better for television. Um, you know, you don't have to fight to keep the camera angles, you know, on the field and sideline to, you know, scared to death of showing the crowd because it's so sparse. Uh, and the, the same thing I would say for LA, uh, the LA galaxy, uh, play in a pretty new, uh, stadium, uh, multi-use stadium. And, and, uh, I love the way these MLS stadiums, just the, the look to them. I just like the way they look in compared to, um, NFL team stadiums. I just think they have a, like a, a, a more modern kind of condensed, mm. you, you know, uh, a field and look to them. Um, you know, I was a season ticket holder for DC defenders. Uh, they played at Audi field, 20,000 capacity. Well, they sold out uh, all three of their home games. You know, there was yeah. 20,000 pretty much on the nose, uh, you know, or 19 and change there. So there was hardly an empty seat in this place. So I think if they kind of, stuck to that um houston uh, i can't remember their capacity it wasn't terrible i think it's like 40 something thousand uh for the university of houston's field um you know dallas could probably benefit from a smaller venue um and that's uh, the the frisco that where where the big dallas practice facility is it's only a twelve thousand seat joint but it's Jerry's house. It's part of Jerry's world. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an indoor facility. And uh, there's something about being right on top of the action um, that I think is appealing. You know what I mean? And Dallas is a, a white collar town. You make a little bit more money in Dallas. Um, so I think if you, you sold tickets for a little bit more, you know what I mean? There's less of them. You could create more of a demand. And if they outgrow the smaller house, well, then so be it. But sitting in that big old baseball stadium, it just didn't feel like, you know what I mean? I was watching a football. It definitely didn't look like a football stadium. Um, it's nice for baseball, but it just doesn't really work for football um, yeah, you know, some of the other teams, I think, uh, were okay where they were, you know, you know, they don't have to do anything, but, but for some of these that, that, uh, you know, didn't fill it up as well, you, you know, they just behoove themselves to just move to a easier to fill venue. Absolutely. I, I like the idea of all those moves. The, the LA stadium looks absolutely gorgeous. You've got pictures in your articles and that sort of thing. And the, yeah, the, the, um, LAFC's Bank of California stadium is absolutely like quintessential looks there's palm trees and stuff and there's you know a beautiful sunny skyline and it's um it's it, like you said really sort of um it's quite gracefully modern um it looks like something you might see uh pod racing championships in star wars uh being raced in um with that with that roof uh what about um for the well what was the you know biggest uh seller for for the xfl the, the st louis battle hawks they'll come back and they'll be in their same stadium in your opinion rinse and repeat yes uh now they do have i think this year uh they've got an mls team joining the mls in st louis um and i think they're partly owned by um uh, there's a couple other people that are already in the sports industry that, that own the, the multi-use stadium that they're going to play in. So that 
although it's an option to the Battle Hawks, I would assume it's an option. I don't know that they, you know, year two of being in this league want to share a grass pitch with with a, a professional tackle football team. Um, you know, they'd probably want to keep their grass primarily for soccer and not have to have that headache. But uh, that is also an option. However, they, they were going to, you know, potentially sell out after opening the upper deck in that dome. And I think, um, you know, St. Louis kind of benefited from the Rams leaving, you know, there's probably a lot of people in St. Louis and San Diego and, you know, some towns like Oakland um, who are pissed off that the NFL has left them high and dry. Um, You know what I mean? And, And they would be more susceptible to coming out and supporting an XFL team. And I think that's one of the main reasons St. Louis uh, really kind of came out uh, for the Battle Hawks because, you know, they felt shunned by the NFL and Stan Kroenke. Um, and uh, they wanted to prove that we do support uh, our, our football teams here. You know, we can and we do. Um, you, you know, whatever business transpired between the team and the city and, you know, and they moved, but, uh, and, and uh, you know, it wasn't a terrible business decision. Look, they just <laughs> knocked off Tom Brady in, in, in an amazing finish. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a testament to the people of St. Louis that they came out and supported the way they did. And hell, I think, um, you, you know, if they were to make a playoff run, if we had gotten that far in the XFL in 2020 or something like that, you know, they, you could have very well seen a, a jam packed battle dome or, you, you know, dome at America center. I think it's what it's called um, in, uh, in, in St. Louis uh, had we gone that far and, and we could be looking at a waiting list to get tickets today. So I fully expect if they return, um, which I'm very confident they will, uh, that uh, they're going to pick up right where they left off and have a lot of people in that arena. It's funny. It reminds me of like, I listened to a great podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was the CFL to and out podcast, which is one of my favorites. And they, they had an interview with, um, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he wrote a book about the Baltimore Stallions um, in the CFL and talked about how, you know, Baltimore, you know, f- felt shunned when they lost their their NFL franchise. And that was, you know, one of the main reasons for why the uh, CFL franchise was so well supported in those, those two seasons or whatever it was up there. And speaking of other places maybe that have, that have been shunned and, and expansion teams and all that sort of thing, um, you are making the case for not just like a, a resumption of eight teams or a rearrangement of eight teams, but an addition of another eight teams to the XFL. I want to get into a few of who those teams you think might be, but first I'd like to know why you think it's important because you're, you're pretty strong on this one. Why is it so important for there to be more than just the eight teams? Why do you want to see the XFL make a push to 16? Well, I think uh, Jerry Cardinal, the guy that, is the owner founder of Redbird Capital, I believe right when the original, you know, sale was done and we found out that it was in fact the rock who, who I called it that week. I said, <laughs> guys, I have a dark horse prediction. I think this guy is going to buy the XFL and, and, and it was the rock. And, and it turns out uh, it was him. 
with his ex-wife and Jerry Cardinal. Jerry Cardinal, I read somewhere, and I can go back and Google this up uh, and, and find it, yeah. but I think he wanted to see more teams, and he really felt like a, a larger variety would command uh, a bigger demand to get a paying television deal. And that's one of his big things that he's a very smart yet shrewd businessman. Uh, he's made the initial investment and uh, I don't know, you know, how much he's going to plan on spending on marketing for the league. Um, but if you look at his companies, he's pretty calculated at the kind of businesses that he runs and, and, and he creates and buys businesses that can operate themselves with, with very little um, cash infusion. You know, he's not going to inject a bunch of money into a hope that this is going to be a big thing. So like most of his businesses, like they own um, on location, uh, NFL on location. And that's the company, if you want to go see, if your team is playing a game at Wembley in London, you can go online and go to NFL on location and buy not only two tickets or whatever to that particular game, but they're like the Expedia. You can get the plane flight uh, there and back, uh, bundle it with a hotel room and bundle it with like a, a two or a four hour tour of London. Okay. Um, you, you know what I mean? So they can say meal voucher, two dinners, two lunches, uh, one breakfast or whatever, a hundred dollars to such and such. So pub. Okay. Yes. So he, he, he owns Redbird capital owns NFL on location. So he, you know, he, that doesn't cost a lot of money to operate. That's like, you know, call us, We'll make a deal, put together a package for you that you pay for, and then we will give you the business uh, when that day has come uh, for us to provide that service for you. And I, you know, so he's already dealt with traveling and, and uh, um, you know, having offices in, in multiple locations. And I, I think that's very important to, to understanding how businesses to this scale work. And and he knows that more markets, uh, and I'm talking about Nielsen rating markets, television markets uh, here. Um, the NFL has all of the top 21, uh, mm -hmm. I believe. That's the number. It's like 21 or 27 of the top yeah. Nielsen rating markets in America. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they have some that are lower, like outside of the top 32. But boy, oh boy, yeah. uh, they've got... <laughs> <laughs> all the big markets locked down. And I think he knows that with more markets, um, television networks are more likely to write a check uh, to broadcast their games. So then, you know, if you've got 12 or 16 teams and now you go from two to four divisions uh, or something like that, you can say uh, maybe ESPN is going to take the East or, you know what I mean? And, mm. and, and, uh, uh, ABC takes the North and, you know, you know uh, uh, this network takes the South and this, you know, versus vice So, so I think that you just create more opportunity for there to be a demand. Yes. Um, and the counter argument was, wow, that's too many teams. There's not enough talent out there. No, there's plenty of talent out there. There's 10,000 seniors that leave college every year. 
okay, uh, and there's another couple thousand juniors that think they're good enough to go as well. So don't you can't use that argument. These guys were fine football players in high school and college, um, you, you know, but for whatever reason, they're they're overlooked. Uh, but uh, there's plenty of guys that can play. And I've watched kids across the street from my house throw a perfect, these are nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds, and I've seen them throw perfect spirals and make <laughs> fantastic diving catches, okay? So, so anybody can get behind center and make a great play here and there. You, you know, they're not, all the games aren't going to end like Buffalo, Kansas City, or the Rams and the Bucks. okay? They're, they're not all going to end like that, but... I'm pretty sure if you go through the average XFL game or maybe even the USFL this spring, and of course, CFL, you see some amazing plays. And you go, oh, my God, that is a that is amazing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? This is part of why football is just so poetic and beautiful sometimes because it's like, wow, I've never seen a play like that uh, made before. Um, <laughs> and you won't find it outside of a football field. So um, that that's the big thing is that the demand, it creates the demand and the appetite for the networks to say, ooh, they got 16 teams now. You know what, we might wanna cover, you know, get, get a contract done to cover at least half of their home games, you, you know what I mean, uh, on our network, because when it comes down to it, million plus people are gonna watch every game. Absolutely, and it's funny, you know, thinking about, you know, people who say there's not enough talent or there's not enough, you know, whatever. You know, I hate to break it to everybody, but not every NFL game across this 18-week season ended like Bill's Chiefs either. You know, there were some stinkers. You know, we all sat through uh, Chiefs Steelers last week too. And, um, you know, there's not every game on the schedule um, is an all-timer. It's, it, it's when special things happen amongst the mundane that makes them special if every what's the line from the incredibles once everyone's super no one's super um you, you know if, if every game was chiefs bills then that would actually cease to be special um it, it, it's part you know it's one of those you know sort of the, the thing where everyone says oh well if you increase scoring in a league it will naturally become more exciting not so because i find basketball which is you know end-to-end -end scoring to be not particularly uh, entertaining to me as watching the NFL. And um, I think end-to-end -end scoring is overrated. It's, it's, it's diversity that makes things entertaining. Um, what do you think? I just I want to get some of these teams. I don't want to reveal everything because I want people to go and read the article on a footballworld.com. Um, but you've got eight teams proposed. Now, there's a couple that I really want to get into. Um, a couple of teams from outside of America um, and a couple that I'd like to touch on locally. I think I'll just, I'll breeze past these ones. So you've got the San Diego bolts um, making a return to the XFL. And that obviously plays into the conversation we talked about a market that's been shunned by the NFL. Um, you've got the Oakland enforcers coming in again. Um, a, a, a market that's been shunned by the NFL in favor of Vegas. These are the two that I want to get your thoughts on though, to expand for the listener. You've got the, the, uh, Me the, Me the Mexico city demons and you've got the Toronto Argonauts making an XFL trip. 
Now, if you want to give me your thoughts on San Diego and Oakland, uh, I'm all for it. But I'm really chomping at the bit to hear how and why we get a team in Mexico and a team from the CFL. Well, there's rumors, um, and I tried to Google these a little earlier today, um, get more specifics on the uh, Mexico City and uh, Toronto, uh, Ontario region um, uh, Mm. trademarks. Now, I did hit the follow button on this lawyer uh, based in Washington, D.C., who is a trademark lawyer, a patent lawyer, and evidently he posts a lot of... um, I don't know whether he's just a big sports fan or he helps with these uh, trademarks uh, with various sports um, entities and things like that. Uh, but his name pops up on a lot of, uh, when you Google his name, I think it's Rob Gerber or something like that. Um, uh, his name just pops up on a lot of these uh, uh, posts about transactions concerning trademarks with professional leagues. And he mentioned that, uh, that the league in fact did place a trademark in, in both regions. Um, and if you're looking, you know, when you locate a business or part of your business outside of America and you're an American based business, it, it, you know, it's obviously got to have some sort of weird um, financial trickery to it. You know what I mean? You're dealing with a different currency um, but obviously they still have the ability for you to trademark and patent something there, just like you can in America, you can still operate. Um, you're just going to have to do things probably on the business end a little differently than you do, uh, in America, you know, which also varies from state to state, but it's for the most part, the same. Um, now Toronto is the least attended home team in all of the Canadian Football League. When they were in negotiations, um, the league uh, with Dwayne Johnson to talk about a potential relationship of some kind, and you know, they kept those conversations top secret. You know, you had to be, you know, 007 to find out um, to even be a fly on those walls, right? Not even 007 was invited. But anyway, uh, they, uh, Toronto was, According to uh, David Naylor, who works for TSN um, uh, in Canada, uh, he said that the Argonauts were, you know, the bullish most uh, um, franchise of the Mm -hmm. nine in the CFL saying, yeah, let's get this done. This is this is good for business. Now, three of the league's teams are publicly owned by the you know, township or what, you know, the city or, you know, I don't know exactly how that works. Some sort of a nonprofit situation owned by the city. I, I, it doesn't sound like a great business model, but whatever the Packers have been in business for a while. So, (laughs) you know, who knows, you know, it works. Uh, And then you've got a few that are owned by um, like Toronto uh, Argonauts who are owned by like a, you know, companies that are investment companies. So like uh, BMO, the stadium and, and, you know, the team, the Argos, uh, they also own the Toronto Raptors and the, uh, the, 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 the MLS team that's up there and things like that. I think they own all the sports teams except for the Blue Jays. If, if my uh, memory serves me correct, I think they also own the Maple Leafs, yeah. but um, you know, the, so they wanted to get it done. The, some of the other owners were like, eh, I don't know. We've been in business a long time. So I think Toronto 
would make the move. I think Toronto is ballsy enough and the ownership group that owns the team says, you know what? We don't have to stay in the CFL. If we want to do business with them and you don't, we will take our business elsewhere and play with them. And and we'll see, you know, how attendance looks after that. But at this point, we're not making a lot of money here in the CFL. I can't foresee any situation where our business fortunes are going to change all of a sudden, um, continuing to do business in the CFL. We'd like to go ahead and roll the dice with Dwayne Johnson in the XFL uh, and be the representative of Canada uh, mm-hmm. and the most Northern team uh, in the league. So I, I think honestly for them, it's, it's a calculated business risk that they're willing to take. And Mexico, um, I just think, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, so uh, The Rock owns a tequila company. Mm. Tequila, if you didn't know, <laughs> tequila comes from the tequila region of Mexico. Yeah. Tequila <laughs> is not like a type of alcohol. It's actually a region of Mexico. And to produce tequila, that's the big rule. It has to be made in the tequila region of Mexico. So there's another alcohol that's similar to to tequila called mezcal. Mm. And that's from the mezcal region of Mexico. So it's kind of like, you know, a different desert in the same country. So you can't make tequila in France or Australia. Sorry, you can't do it down under, right? You're gonna have to call it something else. Uh, They only (laughs) let you call it tequila if it's made in the tequila. So he knows this, he owns a tequila company, Terramana. Um, He, according to his, social media posts he drinks a lot of it i don't know if he just takes a picture and pours it out or not uh but he shows an awful lot of glasses of tequila um online but anyway uh i think that because he's the superstar that he is um he would be on every billboard and you know advertisement on the side of every high-rise building in mexico city which has a population of like 21 million people. So, you know, it's bigger than New York and LA, I believe. I think it's like one of the top three biggest cities on the planet. Um, it's a, like Rio de Janeiro, Tokyo, and Mexico City, I think are the top three. So, you know, or, or uh, Akragana, I can't remember. But um, that that's, uh, for me, it was a no-brainer um, when I heard that, that he had bought a trademark uh, for Mexico City so that's, you know, and when you look at it, you, you know, the distance between Mexico City and Dallas, where the Renegades are, or mm-hmm. Houston Roughnecks, is the same distance that the LA Wildcats are from the St. Louis Battlehawks. I mean, if you're just drawing a line in a different mm-hmm. direction in the same distance. So, I mean, the same three or four hour flight, you, you know what I mean, uh, from there to here, it's, 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 it's not that difficult. The, um, you know, it's, and he's already doing business outside of the country, obviously with the tequila company and going back to Jerry Cardinal, he's already do, they already own a soccer team, you know, in Europe, um, a couple of them, I believe. So and they own an entire cricket league in India. So they, they've already dealt with travel and trademarks abroad. Um, it's not that difficult to get this done and, and beat the NFL to the punch. We, we hear they want to get a team, you know, outside yeah. of the country and, and have them in a permanent home. And, and these are two of the cities that, that are targets um, allegedly for the NFL. So, you know, why not beat them to the punch and, and 
what better way going back to doing business with Jerry Jones, if they can show that they can do business in these markets and be the Guinea pig for the NFL, um, the, the NFL might appreciate the rock doing that a little more than they would appreciate somebody like Vince McMahon attempting that. Um, you know, they, they'd probably be more susceptible to accepting, um, the successful business numbers that come about it, uh, with him in charge versus a pompous guy like VKM. This feels like, like, I mean, that would be such an audacious move. Um, it's fine. I'm watching um, ballers for the first time at the moment. So, mm. so, so seeing, seeing a lot of, you know, the rock doing business and, um, you know, you can't help but feel that the character where, where is. Where are you at? Where are, I'm only where are all, you at almost show? finished season one. They're just talking about, um, I think Joe is just talking about going out on their own out from under the the boss. Um, So yeah, sort of exciting time in the season. And, and I feel like I'm getting a glimpse, you know, (laughs) into you mentioned in, in your article about, you know, the XFL, maybe getting a last chance you company to come and do, um, you know, a season long, almost sort of like hard knocks behind the scenes, um, of, of the XFL. Well, I feel like I've kind of got one, a camera on the rock with the way he is in ballers. And man, this feels like the perfect like confluence of circumstances, like the rocks whole career. If you look back, you know, it almost builds up to this. It makes sense, you know, in the sense that he was a, you know, he was a football player in college, wanted to go to the NFL, couldn't make that happen, has built himself into this insanely, marketable, successful property, like who better to perhaps, um, if not go up against the NFL, be the kind of force that could end up changing the NFL down the track. Like I can't think of many, many other factors that could impact the, the National Football League quite like a successful XFL under the rock. The funny thing is about ballers is that um, it's interesting is that as you watch the show, and you know, this is not the main topic of this particular episode, but mm. the, at the end of every season, you'll see that they've predicted something that happened in the NFL, basically like two or three years later. And as you get further into the show, college football, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but um Everything they cover in the show Ballers has pretty much now happened uh, since it, 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 you know, went down in that, in that particular show. And uh, I don't know why they decided to end the show when they did They, they could, you know, should still be on today. Maybe he just wanted to move on to focus on the next project of his, but they did such a tremendous job and that would be, exactly what the XFL needs to have a, a ballers version of, you, you know, their, their product out there, uh, a last chance you, a, um, you know, what was that other one that you had just mentioned? Oh, uh, hard knocks. Uh, the, the hard knocks. You, you know what I mean? That is something uh, to, to bring Hollywood and football together uh, and really, show us the ins and outs of what professional look football looks like, you know, off the field on a day-to-day basis. Um, 
these transactions, these trades that happen, these uh, business deals, these uh, players getting an endorsement deal, uh, you know, cities negotiating a stadium usage with the league or, you know, a, a, an expansion team discussion, you know, cameras in the room for that. Um, this is something I think that would be must-see TV. I mean, The Rock is already must-see TV, but to be able to get The Rock talking about, you know, his football team and negotiating deals, that would be, I would never, I would never miss a single second of, of that. Um, I would probably, probably pay more attention to that than I did the game, yeah. you know, on game day. <laughs> Um, that would be more important to me. He said, wow, look at how, look at this genius. This is crazy genius. Um, that it's, just, it's exciting to think about that. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And you, and you, and you think like when, when you really think about it, the, the idea of like, you know, let's say if half of this stuff happens, let's say, you know, if, if, you know, if one of those things that happens is that they do manage to expand, they do manage to get a foot in international markets and have, international teams playing inside of the XFL before the NFL does. Like I think the XFL in general, even, even as an eight team league, the rock putting his name alongside a, a professional football league is probably the biggest swing of his career because no one has been able to do this successfully for a long period of time. No, no other pro football league has been able to do it for more than a few years in America, um, you know, outside of the NFL. So like the rock who is successful at everything, you know, movies, you know, wrestling, business, tequila, um, energy drinks. This feels like a massive swing on his, on his behalf. And the, the, another thing is um, when they made the purchase of the league, they immediately said, okay, we bought it. It's ours now. We're coming back in 2022. And then a few months later, we find out that they're talking with the CFL. And that's, I like to hang my hat on the fact that like four years ago, I said that mm. they were going to do business with the CFL eventually. I was so excited when I finally heard that they were at the time. I was like, I knew it. I swear to God, I felt it. I, uh, you know, I rubbed that rabbit's foot gently enough. And now look, it's happening. Um, so, uh, but uh, I, I think that um, when the talks broke off uh, because the CFL had to say, okay, well, we can't come to an agreement just yet. And, you know, maybe we can get back to this table, put these tables uh, talks on the back burner for a while here. We got a season to operate here. So the CFL broke off the talks and then almost immediately they announced the XFL did that they would say, you know what, we're going to come back in 2023. Okay. Uh, we had a plan, a business plan. That, that lets me know that they had a plan if discussions were to have worked out with the CFL, essentially you're walking into 2022 with a 17-team league. Mm. Okay, that's, that's, uh, that's what I think that they wanted to get done. But the CFL just couldn't fathom the idea of, you know, breaking some of their traditions or whatever their problem was. Uh, so they said, thanks, but no thanks for now. And 
The Rock immediately, I think, made the great decision and was probably all, always their backup plan. If this doesn't work out with the CFL, we're going we're gonna to push this back a year. And that's kind of another reason why I think that they come back in 2023 with more teams uh, mm. than the eight, because, um, you, you know, they, they wouldn't have to create more teams if the CFL jumped on board, you, you know, right off the bat. But the fact that they didn't, um, mm. they said, you know what, let's take another year. Let's think about this. Let's get this done right. You know, because the last thing we want to do is get it wrong um you know to start this thing off and look stupid in the process so i think that was a good uh idea on their part to to delay um now your common nfl elitist fans and guys that only watch you know the chiefs and the alabama you know crimson tide they they don't think much about the nfl it's not elite mm. football according to them uh so they're they're not focused in as as much as you know maybe guys like you or me with a magnifying glass uh so uh you know you're never going to win those fans over until you show and prove that you can put out a good product worth watching um mm. so i think that's why they wanted to wait that extra year let's make sure we can get a good enough product on the field and then once we're on the field continue to put out a good product uh and, and you know we build it they will come and I guess too, you know, with the with the changing, I think we talked about on the last episode as well, you know, and I think I talked about this with Ryan as well, you know, there seems like a uh, an increasing mingling of college football and professional football. And that only seems to be, you know, being sped up with, you know, things like name, image, likeness. I think we're really headed towards a point where um, – those people who, who say that the reason they watch college football and don't watch pro football is because, you know, no one gets paid and it's for the love of the game. Um, it's going to be an interesting reality to wake up one day and realize, okay, yeah, all our players get paid. Um, so am I going to stop watching football? I highly doubt it. And I, I guess the market for professional football is, is only going to be um, increased by the fact that college is, is becoming less and less. The, the, uh, the the illusion that college football is, is played by um, quote unquote amateurs, um, you know, student athletes, as uh, South Park put it, um, you know, it, that's kind of a sham. That there's there's been big money passing between hands for a long time, and um, yeah, the idea that it was this pure endeavor is what you, a little strange. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, like, can you even? If they're, if they're making, some of these kids are making pretty good money. Like mm. they're making more than NFL players are. Uh, some of them, not, not a bunch, but some are. Um, at what point are they allowed to even be considered amateur or college student athletes? Uh, you, you know what I mean? And, and at what point does it no longer become taboo that a league like perhaps the XFL or USFL, uh, uh, the NFL decides to drop their age requirements and say, you know what, that, I mean, that kid's making a lot of money down there. He's, he's good enough to at least sit on our bench. We're going to draft him uh, after his freshman year. You, you know what I mean? Because we've changed our bylaw. You, you know, at what point the XFL said, essentially that you can play like right on after high school, mm. you know, just be 18 years old. So, Canada, um, they want you to be 
two or three years removed, but that includes a redshirt year. So, yeah. so actually they can technically draft a player a year before the NFL can. Now they don't utilize that much um, because they really only draft Canadian players, yeah. but um, Canadian national players yeah. is very confusing. The, the USFL is basically going to use the NFL rules, but also uh, one year younger. Um, so, uh, I mean, at, at what point do they say, you know what, this kid's already making money. He's kind of already a celebrity. He's kind of already acting like a professional. And now kids are sitting out the bowl games and things like that. Um, you know, at what point does that impact uh, well, you know, th these leagues? And they just say, you know what, we'll, we'll sign you. Well, as much, as much as, you know, the, the NFL and, and, you know, as, as an international viewer, um, you know, of American products, you know, it's, it's easy to see the American influence um, down here in Australia, not just in sport, but in all sorts of things. Um, I think it's also worth thinking about the international influence in American culture. And particularly as it pertains to sport, if you think about the English Premier League, if you think about European football, European soccer, um, you know, Manchester United has academy teams. Arsenal has academy teams. Liverpool has academy teams. They're signing teenage Australians over to come and play for their academy sides. Um, I don't think it's insane at all to think that we will eventually have sort of junior um, football clubs um, of some sort or, or academy sides of some description or some setup that mimics some of that where franchises are able to lock down talent earlier, where talent is able to get paid earlier so they can start capitalizing on, you know, their value before they get injured. Um, I don't think that's insane at all. I, th I think, um, I think that's a logical progression in what, what, what shape that takes. I don't know. But conceptually, I think it makes a lot of sense with where the game's headed. Washington, uh, D.C. United, I think, was the team that signed a kid. I had never heard of the kid before in my mm -hmm. life before they signed this mega deal in the, I think it was the late 90s, Freddie Adu. Do you remember that name? Yes, 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 I do. Okay. Yep. I think they signed him when he was like, 15 or 16 or something like that. And he didn't uh, come over and play, I think, until he turned 18 or something like that. And his career never panned out. Like it was the league's second biggest signing. They had already gotten David Beckham to come <laughs> over and be a part-time player. And it was like, like the entire league pitched in to pay his salary. It was like yeah. ridiculous, like three years, 500 million. It was like before Patrick Mahomes deal was ever a thought, like David Beckham, you know, uh, in his good, hot, good looks, uh, were, were the new face of the MLS and they still allowed him to play for his premier league teams and, and other leagues he was affiliated with. Um, we could be headed exactly down that, that path. And, and what I thought about the other day, I was kind of researching how some of these soccer leagues have their relegation and I was kind of looking at the ages of the players on these teams in the lower tiers, like, uh, and I, and I learned something that, that, you know, when I was looking at stadiums and where teams play, the MLS already has two tiers, or like two leagues underneath 
the main MLS. So the MLS has, I think, 27 teams right now. They'll have 28 this year with St. Louis coming in. And the 29th team, I believe, is from Nashville that's coming in 2023, uh, which was a dark horse of putting an XFL team there, I think. But uh, um, but anyway, uh, th they have two leagues underneath. Um, and, you know, kind of like farm system for the MLS. And they play in stadiums that are those 12,000 or less than 20,000 size multi-use stadiums. And these, some of these are still really good looking little stadiums. Mm. Um, as a matter of fact, they're thinking of putting a pop-up stadium <laughs> in uh, San Diego for one of the lower tiered leagues um, because they're in hopes that they can bump up to the MLS, uh, the, yeah. the main league. Uh, and if they can fill that, stadium and league you know tier two or tier three or whatever uh that they can kind of graduate and kind of jump above sacramento and a couple of these other cities that are looking to get mls teams and i think that's an interesting um way to go about growing your league and getting their talent to to kind of play for you uh you don't have to go out and get freddie Adu and sign him to the xfl Mm. The XFL equivalent, you know, who's the kid that left the Texas high school to go to Ohio State? He left his senior year to go make NIL many years. Yep. The guy with the mullet. Yeah. Target King. Quite as cool as <laughs> Stephen Belichick's or yeah. Gardner Minshew's. It's, it's like, you know, it's a tier, it's a tier three mullet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but you, so if you're the XFL, you don't have to put, you sign yours, convince them to come play for the New York Guardians uh, or the DC Defenders. But maybe you can pay him uh, enough money to convince him to play for the tier two or tier three XFL team located in Oklahoma City or, you know, uh, Butte, Montana, Billings, uh, these smaller towns that have the lower tier. And they're happy being a lower tier city because they don't have the population mm. to fill a 50,000 man stadium anyway, but you know what? You can probably find 10,000 people in Billings to go watch a tier two or a tier three version of a team uh, for the XFL. And you never know, maybe the rock makes an appearance uh, one home <laughs> game a year. Um, you, you know, if, if you're willing to, you know, stand in a long line to get one of the rock signed uh, bottles of Terramana or something like that. <laughs> that makes your entire season ticket package worth buying. Um, so th these are some of the things that I think that um, the XFL might be looking at uh, when they say yeah. they want a global footprint and they say they want to, you, you know, uh, kind of get out there. It wouldn't surprise me um, if they did some business with the, the LFA uh, league in Mexico or the, yep. you know, the EFL uh, in Europe, um, you know, that Brazilian league, Japan X, um, mm. these leagues are, are small leagues, but if, if they were to run a, um, a joint ad with the XFL mm. or something like that, um, not only would that get people more excited about the league in their own country, that they're now that they're associated with the rock, but it could lead to something just bigger. You know, it could lead mm -hmm. to maybe we get a Tokyo XFL yeah. team or a Rio de Janeiro team uh, in the next couple of years. Maybe we get it, you know, uh, Hamburg, Germany, London. Um, and that right there, you, you put the rock and an expansion team in, in your territory. Well, now you've just figured out how to create 
at least a million new football fans, American mm. football fans. Yeah. Uh, in <laughs> if here, you riddle me this. You live in Australia. Mm. Let's just say The Rock uh, flew into Australia, said, oh, my God, I, I love this place. Um, you, you know, whether it's Sydney or Melbourne or um, Brisbane is there, right? Yep. yep another city down there. So, so, so I, I don't know what all the big cities are, you know, where all the big business takes place, um, you know, and who would be the most likely carrier of, of a, an XFL team. But if, if you were to come and fall in love with a, a territory or two and say, you know what, I, I want to put together a team. I want to bring a team to Australia. Uh, folks, I, I need your opinions. Where do we want to set up shop? You know, what would that do? Um, and I've heard you say before, there's a lot of fair weather American football fans, you know, they like rugby in the North. They like, mm-hmm. you know, Aussie rules in the South. I believe I've, I've heard you say that. Or yeah. is it first vice? No, 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 you got it. You've got it right. Yep. Um, you know, what would that do? Somebody like the rock coming in and making a statement like that saying, I want, I want to bring a team here. You, you people decide where you want this team to be. Cause I want to grow the game and I really love it here. Um, all I'm asking for is, is for every liquor store to carry Terramana and my, my new under armor UFC gear yeah. uh, <laughs> in, in every Walmart uh, around the country. You, you know what I mean? This is the only requests I make that. And you tell me where we can be the most successful putting an XFL team. What do you think that would do? I think, um, I think it would be massive because of what we've talked about. Um, obviously you're still going to like, like going into a European city or, you know, European country and, you know, you're competing with soccer, which is massive or, you know, cricket in the subcontinent, which is massive. Like that's all, you know, that's fine. But I still think that there's a place for more sports. And I think that again, we hit that perfect, um, you know, union of sport and the rock. Like the rock is a brand that goes beyond everything. Um, I think it would be massive in Australia. I, I think, I think in some ways, if the XFL is successful um, and, and the rock remains at the forefront of the branding. Now what he's doing in the day-to-day, you know, running of the, the business, I don't know, but that doesn't really matter to everyday people. If the rock stays at the front of it, I think the XFL, if successful, has a better chance to get a foothold in foothold in Australia than the NFL does at the moment, because the NFL is relying um, on, you know, the, the brand of one club, whereas you've, you've kind of got a two pronged attack. If you're the XFL, you have the rock who's just a mega celebrity um, who every Australian knows who every Australian queues up to go watch jungle cruise and Jumanji and all of those sorts of things. Um, and you've got a sport to sell us. Uh, so I actually think if it gets down the road like that, I think the XFL stands yeah, almost a better shot than the NFL. I think one more thing that uh, is, a, is a wild card bonus is that the XFL is not the NFL. Yes. Um, it, when I was originally going to the fan engagement um things that the DC defenders were putting on uh, for the season ticket holders and they would take questions and give answers and mingle. I got to talk with Oliver Luck. I got to talk with uh, team president, Eric A. Moses and Cardale Jones and things like that. And we got to take selfies and all types of exciting things. But I noticed that around the room uh, and I'm talking about the fans now, 
Mm. A lot of the people that were there, and I was not one of them, they were already uh, MLS season ticket holders. One of our friends, and you've probably seen this name pop up, Christian Dior. Mm-hmm. He uh, was a you know he's a veteran uh, of America, um, man of service. But he is not only a season ticket holder for the Washington football team, but the Nats, uh, the, 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 the Capitals, the Washington Capitals, uh, the Wizards, uh, and MLS. He bought tickets to all of them. You know what I mean? Like, and so, like, if it was Washington sports, I mean, I, hell, I never asked him if he was a, a D.C. Empire, which is our tennis team. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or no, uh, what are they called? Castles, D.C. Castles. Um <laughs> Uh, or a Mystics uh, season ticket holder, but uh, he supported everything. And and that's, uh, y- you know, I think uh, sometimes the people, you know, they get tired of the NFL, their, their team's a, not a winning team. Uh, maybe the prices are too high. Um, they don't like the way that the league markets. And, and it goes back to maybe the Colin Kaepernick thing mm. or something like that. You know what I mean? They People don't like that they're putting the victims names on the mm. back of the helmets or something you know mm. somebody's always has a problem yeah. with what the nfl's doing the refereeing is bad or whatever it is um uh and, and they're looking for something else to root for and i think a lot of times that's where the xfl catches that fan um mm. you know say hey it's football i i still like football uh, but here's something new and fresh um, that hasn't pissed me off yet uh, <laughs> financially or for some other reason. So uh, I, I think that's another big thing. But you're right. I, I think uh, he takes his big personality into some of these other countries and says, I want to dedicate a good product for you. And mm-hmm. I want some of you to be a part of it, um, you know, uh, on an ownership level or, a, you know, whatever level. We're going to give you some jobs. Uh, to do as a result of putting a team here and, and, and we're going to try to, you know, put out another solid product uh, that you can proudly represent. And um, the NFL is afraid to make those moves. I don't think the rock is. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, like we said, you know, at the top of the episode, um, the, the rock as, as a brand has that just really unique ability to remain likable and piss as few people off as possible while also appealing to both sides. You know, like I said, like we said, to frame it in the Colin Kaepernick article, I'm sure that The Rock has fans that straddle both sides of, of that um, situation. That And, and I think, um, yeah, he's somehow found a way to, to have that enormous fan base that, that crosses yeah, huge political uh, divides. So, no, I think it's so exciting, man. I think your article is great. I think people should go and read it. Go to afootballworld.com. Read John's XFL, a 2023 relaunch done right could change the game for good. I think we've discussed um, in the last hour how that happens. John, always awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And by the way, who am I looking at behind you? There uh, is that. Uh, that's Jack Lambert. I'm getting, that's yep. a steel curtain. Your old steel curtain. That's right. And is that that's against the Joe Burrow Cincinnati Bengals? I'm assuming we're we're living on fumes here in Pittsburgh. I've got to have a you know <laughs> wallpaper from 1978 to get me through the uh, the postseason. Uh- <laughs> Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh invented the West Coast offense coaching that very Cincinnati Bengals team. 
the the seeds of something great were laid, but it but it uh it had to find its uh its full success somewhere else because uh wasn't it um uh trying to think of his name Paul Brown wasn't so keen on uh old Bill Walsh uh, I think the story went wasn't it oh well I, it's, it's it's still one of the most the biggest anomalies in sports how uh, the guy Paul Brown left. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns that were named after him and moved across the state and started another team, not named the Browns. It's, it's, it's a mind boggling thing. To do. <laughs> That's right. That we're essentially the Cleveland Browns. All right. As I said, go and go and go and read John's article on a footballworld.com. Follow uh, a football world on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Go and hit the subscribe button. So you get the notifications whenever they go live. John's also a part of pro football Alliance who are doing video shows at least once a week so go and consume it all thanks so much for listening guys we hope you've enjoyed